Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yanyan. Today I want to talk about a parable that Jesus gave where a man owed a rich man money, but the Bible says he couldn't pay. It comes back to the whole essence of God. We stand before God, but we can't pay for anything. In fact, no earthly currency will pay for any spiritual condition we were in. Today we're going to talk about the difference between spiritual currency and natural currency and what they pay for. Join me today. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 18 today, and I'm going to be speaking. I've written quite a bit about this in my book on Proverbs, and so it's not, again, I didn't write Proverbs. The Holy Spirit did, but this is what I've seen out of Proverbs. This is what I've taught from Proverbs, and that's the book I'll be offering because there's so much practical wisdom in there, but there's really, there's a number of sections in there that have to do with adultery and fornication and young people and children and teaching your children and also so the results of when adults go outside of marriage and commit adultery, these type of things come. And so oftentimes, again, the one that commits adultery wants to be treated like, look, it was just a momentary thing. I, I lusted after I wanted her, but you don't realize the lasting effects that happen and the lasting effects of sin. But your sin not only affects your wife or your husband, but it also affects your relationship with God. And that's what I'm gonna be talking about. I'm gonna come keep coming back to that particular subject, but I'm gonna talk about the difference between God's currency and man's currency, because we have two different sets, two standards and to literally uh, to levels that we operate in a natural level on this earth of what we call finances here. And we can look at a few million dollars and think, well, that's a lot of money. And God doesn't consider that anything at all. He has a different type of currency. We're going to talk about that today. In Matthew chapter 18, this particular parable that Jesus is referring to here in these in these verses, we often compare it to the beginning of it, of a sinner coming to the Lord for salvation and how much he owes, but it's not. Literally, this is going to be a king taking account of his servants, which means the Lord looking at his own uh, family. And whenever we sin, and we often think, well, I mean, I just, you know, I said a bad thing. I should not have said a bad thing, or I hurt somebody's feelings, or I, or, or I spoke evil about another Christian, and we relegate it to not so important. We're gonna find out what God thinks about it. So let, take a look with me. At Matthew chapter 18, we're going to take a look at verse 23 through 34. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. Of course, the king is God, and we are his servants. And when he began to reckon or to calculate, one was brought to him that owed him 10,000 talents. Now, this is $15 million in today's worth. It goes on to say, but because he had not or could not pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. His wife, his children, all that he had in payment to be made. Now, see, we often minimize sins in the Christian life. And God says, no, I want you to understand what even one sin is in my sight. Verse 26 goes on to say, the servant then fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, loosed him, forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants that owed him a hundred pence, $15. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience. Notice he says exactly the same thing to this man that this man had just said to the king. 
He said, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. My first question is, how can he pay the debt when he's in prison? He has to stay out of prison to keep his job to pay him. And you command be thrown into prison. This is just anger. This is just emotional response. Verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and came and told their master, that's the king, all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt, $15 million, because you begged me, you asked me, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, delivered him to the torturers until all should be paid that was due to him. In other words, the debt was restored back to him. What is this story telling us? I mean, we look at this, we go, what in the world is this talking about? As a Christian, Whenever you sin, we often minimize it. And yet the Lord says, no, it's like a $15 million debt. You don't understand the size of sin in my sight. Well, we don't have it to pay. Now, let me let me quickly qualify this. This is not an example of salvation. You say, yeah, but it's $15 million. If salvation was $15 million, there are many people in this earth that could afford it and could pay for it. We're not talking about the cost of salvation because that is so astronomical. You could have all of the money in the world and still not afford it. We're talking about when you sin as a Christian and how it looks to God. And yet I want you to notice something. As long as the man wasn't repentant, that was owed him. But the moment the man repented, the moment he did, that, all that was forgiven. I want you to understand what you owe to God. Whenever you gossip about somebody, talk about somebody, cause division in your church, whenever you have jealousy, bitterness towards somebody else, and you don't confess it, there's a debt that you owe to God. And I mean, at that point right there, the Bible says, if I have sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I mean, your prayers are blocked. You open up the door for sickness in your life. There's all kinds of things that happen. And what the Lord is simply saying, you have no idea the, the door you've just opened up in your life by committing Admitting this in and then not confessing it and trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Like, it's not so bad. Telling other people it's not so bad. Your wife knows what you've done. She's telling you how bad it is. Your children are telling you how bad it is. And the Holy Spirit keeps nudging you, saying you need to confess this sin. What happens when you confess your sins? You just do what this guy did. I've done wrong. I beg you, forgive me, and or else I'll pay you all eventually somewhere down the road. I mean, I'll sell everything I have to try to pay for this. But what happens is, and see, this thing even affected his wife and his children and all that. And we don't understand that. When he says your children are going to pay for it, your wife pays for it, all this happens. And all he did was simply said, Lord, I will pay you all. And immediately the Lord was moved with compassion. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a $15 million debt. You know what it says in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs, it says, if you will confess your sins and turn from them, you will prosper. Meaning before that time, you're gonna lose. You're gonna start losing the prosperity. You have the blessing God's given until that time when you confess it and listen, as a Christian, I'm not talking about as a sinner, as a carnal Christian, you are no longer carnal. You're no longer under the control of the flesh. You're no longer under the control of sin. And now you're under the control of the Holy Spirit. So again, now he goes out though, and there's somebody that sinned against him. Oh yes, he sinned against God too, but he sinned against him. And it's worth about $15. And he, after being forgiven of this gigantic debt as a servant before his king, he now will not release a $15 debt and literally just takes this thing on him of, I've got control over you. And so has him thrown into prison. When the, Of course, when the master finds out, he is so hurt that you wouldn't, after all this compassion, all this mercy, all this forgiveness given to you, you wouldn't release him of a $15 debt. Ephesians chapter four and verse 33 says this, be kind to one another, 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Think about your salvation. Then think about every time you've sinned after that, you've simply confessed it and the faithfulness and the love of God was there to forgive you. That's how you need to be toward other Christians. Be kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. It comes back to this. In this particular story that we've just had, we find out there is a difference between spiritual currency and natural currency. Spiritual currency is on a totally different level than natural currency. And so this particular parable simply brings it out in stages we can understand. But let me bring it to, to you, first of all, what the uh, value is of God's currency. What is God's currency? I can tell you this, it's not money. You can't purchase salvation with money. You can't purchase your forgiveness as a Christian with money. Uh, you cannot do that. I mean, listen, You can. the only time you can move God is when you give finances in this earth toward the gospel of Jesus Christ from a heart that's in fellowship with God. As long as you are loving God and giving for that reason, God will bless you for giving. And even if it's a cup of cold water in the Lord's name, he'll bless it back. That's when God doesn't just look at the size of the offering, he looks at the heart of the giver, such as the woman that gave and such a small amount that the Bible talks about that her small amount of giving pence before God was so small, but yet God said, no, it's big and it's valuable. This is how God looks at us. But on the other hand, I want you to see how God looks at this natural currency compared to spiritual currency. Natural currency will one day be gone. Every bit of gold, silver, all that will be melted. God's gonna take this whole earth, renovate it. And it says every natural remembrance of man will be gone. That means every statue, that means every building dedicated to a man, everyone with a name on the outside is gonna be gone. And God's basically gonna start all over and the remembrance of man will be gone. This includes all of man's currency currency that we have looked at. And today the Bible talks about the love of money is the root of all evil. Notice this, it doesn't say money is the root of all evil, but the love of it. And because people passionately go after it, follow the money trail is a uh, something we use today. You want to know what's happening because of the love of money, it drives the very core of sin. First Peter, let's talk about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is a currency above money. First Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your empty manner of life received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus. When you came to Jesus, you couldn't come to him with money. Even if you had a lot of gold and silver, even if you have stacks of money everywhere and you offered God about 10 or $15 million or $20 million for your salvation, you couldn't get it because there's not enough money on this earth that could purchase your salvation. Salvation. You were not redeemed with corruptible things. You were redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus represents his life given for you. The life is in the blood. When that blood flowed out of Jesus, it was Jesus giving his life for you. And so again, this is what God asks for. The moment you put your faith and trust in Jesus for your salvation, God looks at Jesus and the blood that flowed from him and Jesus paid the price for your salvation. You can't pay it. No, I mean, if you have bank accounts all over the world, you still couldn't pay it. If you owned all the world, you couldn't pay it. It comes back to this. The blood of Jesus Christ is offered to you freely, but understand something, free is not cheap. Salvation is bought again with a different type of currency. And that currency is free is God's highest price. In other words, when God could not think of any higher price to put on salvation, he thought about all the money of the world. No, it's worth more than that. He went even higher than that. What, what if planets and all? No, 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 no. And he stopped and thought about something. The highest value I can put on it is to offer it free. 
Isaiah 55 and verse one says this, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters and he that has no money, come and buy and eat and buy without price. It's simply saying salvation is still bought, but it's bought without money. It's bought from God's side with the precious blood of Jesus for forgiveness of under of sins. And understanding of the word of God is also the highest currency for blessings in the Christian life. God has two forms of currency. One removes the sins and the other brings blessing and prosperity in life. And that's found in Proverbs 3, 13 through 15. Let me quote it to you here in just a moment. But understand this, the blood of Jesus Christ is what pays for sin. And if it's sin as a sinner and sin as a Christian in both cases, as a sinner, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us and, and redeems us and makes us a Christian. But in 1 John 1, 7, it simply tells us there that the blood of Jesus Christ also forgives us as a Christian. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and he forgives us with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when it comes to redemption, it's the flowing of Jesus Christ's blood. It is the producing of Jesus Christ's blood that saves us. But as a Christian, it's the drops of blood that are there. And this is why the word of God talks about the shedding of blood, that's salvation, and the sprinkling of blood, that's as a Christian, to redeem us from those daily sins that we have, those $15 million debts that we have a hard time paying, possibly could, but eventually the Lord forgives if we'll simply confess it. I'll see you right after the break. Many Christians are quick to confess all that they are, all that they have, and all they can do. They appear to overflow in knowledge of righteousness, healing, authority, and many other spiritual truths. Yet for all this spiritual knowledge, many of these same people are foolish and unlearned when it comes to the practical things of Christian life. As James said, my brethren, these things ought not be so. The book of Proverbs is a prime source of the wisdom we need for daily existence, and a close study of it is well worth our time and attention. In Proverbs, Wisdom for Today, Bob Yandian discusses what wisdom is, its benefits, how to find it, where it comes from, and how to receive it in order to help you live a life of wisdom. To order Proverbs, Wisdom for Today, go to bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College, and I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification. Redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Before we get back to exactly what I was speaking about, again, I want to thank all of you who are watching, who are partners with me, who have started for me, maybe from the very beginning. I have partners that go all the way back to the time when I stepped out of pastoring and took on a personal ministry that I'm doing right now, many, many years ago, and you joined me then and are still with me. Thank you so much. I've got some that give monthly. I have some that, you know, no matter what special thing we do, they give and they just keep on giving because they love this ministry. Do you see what I'm saying? Inside your heart, you identify with certain ministers. I know some that identify with evangelists and those like that. Listen, whatever you identify with, that ought to be what you give mainly into outside of your church. Your church is where your tithes go, but beyond that comes offerings. But you know, there's a certain thing when I start to teach, I hit, I resonate in the heart of a lot of people. And they tell me that, they say, I've never heard anything like that. But the moment you say it, I recognize it. It's truth. It was right there in front of me the whole time. Thank you for operating in your gift. Well, listen, my gift, again, ministers to so many people, but I found pastoring a church. There's certain things I would I would ask for offerings for, like with uh, you know children, and uh, we'd have children that are orphans. Boy, the moment I mentioned orphans, there it just resonates in certain people. Others would go, yes, I'll give toward that. But I mentioned something else, and their heart resonates with that. No two Christians resonate over exactly the same thing. But what I'm telling you is, many of you in your heart resonate. I mean, you have a connection with me. And listen, all I'm telling you is God is simply telling you, why don't you become a partner with him? You're already a partner in your heart. Why don't you become a partner in prayer and also become a partner in monthly giving into this ministry? And just as your love for me and they will increase through time, so will your giving and you'll keep increasing. But you know what? You're the ones that stick with me. I can count on. There's certain things I can do in this ministry because I know, I know this. I have partners that give toward this and this is the, what they give. It helps me to understand. It's one of my calculators of where I stand right now. If you're not a partner with me, but yet you know this ministry in your heart, it resonates with you. You have a joining with me from heart to heart. I simply ask you this, become a partner with me. Go to my website, bobbyandian.com. And there you'll find a place where you can become a partner with me and join in with me in this. So thank you so much. I appreciate it in advance. What a blessing you are. We talk about 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, and there are two forms of currency that God looks for. He God doesn't look for us to pay for salvation with the money we have, the gold and the silver. Ah, that has nothing to do with it. Oh, he'll take that later as a Christian. We want to give it to the gospel and bless it, but we're not paying God. We're using it to pay the bills, to print and to and to send the gospel out and send missionaries around the world. That's what we do. We pay for natural things with our money. But there are two forms of currency that God looks for, and they're not a currency that's found here on this earth. 1 Peter 1.8 tells us about one of them. It says in verses 18 and 19, you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold from your empty manner of life received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus. The precious blood of Jesus paid for what we cannot pay for. You could have all the money in the world, but you still couldn't afford to buy one soul. That's why Jesus had to come. And what he offered, which was acceptable to God, was his lifeblood. The blood represents his life. He shed his blood, and like the Old Testament talks about, there's the sprinkling of blood. The forgiveness of sins toward a for, toward a sinner is by the blood of Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of sins for a Christian is also the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 7 tells us if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other, Christians, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's a small amount of blood compared to what it costs to redeem us and purchase us for salvation. But here's what God is saying, when it comes to my side, that's Bob's side, salvation is free. It wasn't free for God. It wasn't free for Jesus. It cost him everything. 
but by costing him everything, he offers it to me and he offers it to me as free. The first thing we think of when we see something free, we think cheap. All right, look, that thing is free. Salvation, listen, salvation is worth so much that the highest price God could possibly put on salvation is to make it free. God sees it the opposite way around. To him, free is not cheap. He put it out there so far and he said, "By I, you couldn't even offer the universe for, the, for what one soul is going to cost me. So I'm going to put the highest value on it, the highest cost on it, I'm going to make it free. Salvation is bought with a different type of currency. And again, it's bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for, for sinners and also for Christians. So free again is God's highest price. Isaiah 55 and verse one says this, Ho, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters and he that has no money, come and buy and eat and buy without price. With salvation, it is still bought, but it's bought without money and it's bought without our type of currency. God paid for it. God paid for it and offers it to us free. And listen, it cost him everything he had. It cost him his son. It cost him all these things that he had. For a man, he loved us so much, he offered his own son to pay the price and the blood of his son and the death of his son. And then when Jesus rose from the dead, now salvation is offered to us for one simple thing, just receive but God holds it out as a free gift. The blood of Jesus Christ gives us forgiveness of sins. Understanding the word of God is the second highest currency. And this is, again, the word of God is used as currency found throughout the word of God. Proverbs chapter three. What I'm offering on this particular broadcast is my book on Proverbs. And so much is taught on what I'm teaching in this particular subject. Proverbs chapter three, verse 13 through 15. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gets understanding, that's understanding of the word. For the merchandise, huh, uh, the profit of it, the profit of understanding the word of God and the wisdom of it is better than the profit of silver and the gain of it than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you can desire are not to be compared to her. This is also brought out in chapter eight, verses 10 and 11 and amplifies the same thing. Here's what Job 28 says in verses 13 through 19. It says that gold, and silver and sapphires and diamonds and onyx and jasper and rubies cannot be compared to the value of the wisdom of the word of God. Let me say this. How many times have you been studying the word of God? Maybe reading one of my books or reading the Bible or hearing someone and all of a sudden the revelation of a verse, it's been there all the time. You look at this verse and suddenly go, I didn't see that and it just jumps out at you. You know what? No amount of money can pay for that. No amount of money could pay for that. It is far above what the world could offer you and that moment because it changes your life forever. You know what I've heard people say? Well, they memorize the word of God. Well, that's fine and that's okay to memorize the word of God. But I found this revelation of the word of God when you study it given by the Holy Spirit is something that will last forever. You will never forget it because things I've memorized before, I don't remember it today. It's gone. But you know what? The revelations I've got from the word of God is so powerful, it changes my my life forever. And so this is the importance of it. This is why God said to study the word of God and the value of it is so important, so powerful. He's simply saying here, gold, silver, sapphire, diamonds, onyx, jasper, rubies can't even be compared to the value of the wisdom of the word of God. You know what I've told people, I'm going to tell you too. I think it's important that you have a great spiritual library. I know that, you know, in my own home, I've bought magazines before and I've got books on the shelf. My wife has romance novels and things like that. She reads it, puts it back and she Oh, after she reads it, 
but nothing compares to the truth of God's word. Uh, my wife and I both were given a set of encyclopedias from her mother and my mother, uh, her parents, my parents. And when our kids got to be old enough, they opened them up one day to help make a report and they started laughing at all the things that were written back about the 1950s and 1960s and now they were in the 1980s. And all, I mean, the things had changed so much they were laughing at them. And I realized probably 60, 70, 80% of that is useless today because our knowledge of the uh, planets and the stars and the, the moons around the planets, all these things have changed so much because of telescopes and looking at them. We need to throw those books out. But I can tell you this, I have books on my shelf from the Word of God written in the 1800s. You have to get past the old English in it, but you know what? The wisdom and the truth of it is still there today and enlightening. Why? Because the Word of God lives and abides forever. Everything around us is going to change. Everything around us will be gone one day, but the Word of God is eternal and lasts eternally. Psalm 119 verse 72 says this, the law of your mouth is better to me than 10,000 pieces of gold and silver. In other words, one revelation of one scripture is worth more than 10,000 pieces of gold and silver. Heavenly currency is unlimited, never increases or decreases in value as natural currency does. Why do we buy gold and silver in this earth? As a hedge against inflation. Why do we keep constantly looking at ways to place our money and places to put our money? Because the value of money goes up and down and up and down and changes daily, changes weekly. But I can tell you this, the blood of Jesus Christ is so valuable, it will still save a soul today as it did thousands of years ago. And on top of that, it can save 10,000s of people at one time in a massive meeting, just like it can save one soul. That's the power and the value of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What about in your personal life after you're saved? The value of the word of God, having those, those resources of the word of God. And whenever you're facing a situation to literally take the word of God and cash it in, use it as value against the debt that Satan's trying to throw against you of sickness or disease or, or a financial need or whatever happens in your life. Uh, the, the, the bottom's falling out from you on your job. It looks like your future's gonna be taken away from you. What do you do? You take the word of God and use it as currency against that and God blesses it. Why? Because there's two forms of currency that come from heaven that are not found on this earth that are unlimited. And heavenly currency is first of all, the blood of Jesus Christ for the removal of sins. And next of all, the word of God to cash in on every situation we can have. Oh, the power of the word of God. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times and the strength of your salvation. And it goes on to say in that verse that, that the word of God is your highest treasure. The most valuable thing you have is the word of God because you'll have it in this life and you'll also have it in the next life. Let's talk about some things that cannot be paid for with money, all right? What? Well, we know what can be paid for with money. We buy things every day, but let's talk about some things that cannot be paid for with money. I've mentioned the new birth. I've mentioned redemption as a Christian of the sins that you commit in your life. And I've also talked about the things in your life, but let's find a scripture on it. Psalm 49 verses six through eight says this, those who trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother 
nor give to God a ransom for him, for redemption of their soul is precious and it never ceases. What does it mean by it ceases forever? It means no payment is ever enough. And this is how it's written in the NIV. What God is simply saying here in this verse of scripture, if you want to redeem your brother and pay for his sins, you can keep paying and paying and paying, paying and you'll never, you'll never even touch it. You never even get close to paying for it. He said, but one drop of the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you as a Christian and the flowing of blood that Jesus had when he died will save you as a sinner. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, not found on earth, but found in heaven, a currency from heaven, not a currency of earth. It's one that we have. This is what God was simply saying to us. Mark chapter eight, verse 36 and verse 37. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and that's the money with it, and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You can own all the wealth of the world and still end up going to hell. Even if you tried to buy it from God, went to every person, minister, and paid for it, you couldn't have it. The blood of Jesus Christ again, and the word of God is the currency he has given to us. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll be back on this very same subject. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.